Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Well, I am hype. I just sent out a tweet saying everyone has to check us out despite a Michigan State basketball game going on right now. Natalie Sparbeck, you are back with us. I'm excited to have you. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Look, this is a weird time for us. I was asked um, in a group chat. I mean, I guess I wasn't. The group chat was asked, is this going to be the greatest week in the state of Michigan sports history where we had Michigan winning the national championship and the Detroit Lions winning a playoff game for the first time in forever? Obviously, we don't apply to half of that equation. It's quite the opposite. Do you feel any added pressure? Being a fellow Michigan State fan, we just saw the worst thing ever happen earlier this week. A Lions loss to this team in this situation at home. I mean, we're, I feel like it's more pressure than ever with what just happened. Well, definitely, I think there's pressure, but it's a good pressure and it's a positive pressure because if Michigan, begrudgingly me saying this, just went in and did what they did, I think it's going to be. That's the vibes for the Lions this week. And I really believe that. Um, but I do agree with you. This is has to be one of the biggest weeks in Detroit, Michigan sports history. It's up there, at least in terms of profile mm-hmm. and significance, even if it's not going how you would want it to go. It's it's just funny. The even like the NCAA component of the Michigan thing, that was like the blanket for so many Michigan State fans. Like you're kind of clinging to okay, like the NCAA's got to hammer them. And then like 24 hours later, the NCAA president comes out like, oh, they're, they're fine. It's like, we're, we're kind of down bad, as the kids say. But the, the Lions portion of the fan base that we align with over there, I think, you know, I'm down for that part of the, the magical week. So let's get into this. I want to start with where we started. Where you were here in the offseason, leading up to the season, we were discussing the hype and the setup and are we set up for a letdown? I asked you then, said, Natalie, all this buzz, they're a lock for the division, prohibitive favorites. I asked you if you were worried about them winning the division, if it was going to be as easy as everyone was saying, if you were scared about the hype. Ben, take us back to that. I'm not scared. I'm not scared at all. Um, People watching are going to be like laughing, being like, oh, my God, this bitch. But um, (laughs) no. How is that possible, though? How are you not? Because what is there anything to be scared about. We can sit here and we can say, okay, this is 60 years of misery and our dads who are just pissed off curmudgeons and oh my God, like, okay, then fine, then don't watch. But like the people that are in are in. Well, that aged very well for you. The pessimist me, maybe not so much. I mean, looking back at this, I I think you have to feel pretty vindicated, right? This is kind of how it it played out in in your mind and this been the reality of the situation yeah I mean I think for sure I think this was like coming off of 2022 and how that all ended I think that it was the trajectory was really like there's nowhere to go but up um just given how that team ended at Lambeau Field against Aaron Rodgers and then I think the draft really um kind of drove the hype drove the hype train and then going back to what we talked about in July the national media really, I think, is the one that painted the narrative. Um, but it was so weird. And again, I'm not as old as some Lions fans out there, but 
Um, I, for the first time, I feel like there wasn't all this like apprehension and negativity and pessimism. It just was like an outward, joyous, uh, really exciting time for everybody. And then what has transpired is everything that we had hoped for, really. I mean, now we are NFC North champions. We are hosting a game at Ford Field. Um, so game on, baby. Let's go. Um, I think in the same boat as you and sharing the nervousness for what, what's approaching. And I think that would be the case regardless of the opponent. We'll get into the nature of the opponent and why it's accelerated our, our nervousness and the anxiety surrounding this game later. Just in terms of big picture, taking the Rams component out of it. I saw a tweet from a guy I like, Michigan State Twitter guy, big presence there, Peach James. And I, I strongly disagreed with what he said. I politely disagreed publicly. Ben, can you throw up his tweet? And this is, this is something, he got a lot of likes on this. This was not a fringe opinion. He says, in relevant part, they win the division for the first time in 30 years. They're hosting a playoff game. What an incredible, magical season. Here's the key part. Everything else that happens next is a cherry on top. Okay. I strongly disagree with that. The only reason a division matters, a division crown matters, is insofar as it helps set up your playoff success, the guarantee of the home playoff game. The more wins you have in the regular season, the only reason any of that has value is seeding in the playoffs, in my opinion. Sure. It's not like winning the Big Ten, but okay, if we lose in the first round as a favorite in the NCAA tournament, we still have the Big Ten banner. I don't view it that way. Are you more... Team Justin or Team James where, eh, whatever happens here, great season, doesn't matter. Where do you land on that? No, I'm definitely playoff winner bust. Yes. So um, That's coming from you. I love it. Yeah. Obviously, couldn't be more happy with what happened outside of what happened in Dallas. I think that not to belabor that, but that's still, ugh, it's. Very frustrating that that happened. Obviously, nothing's going to change. I still don't even think Roger Goodell has commented on any of it. Um, but yes, extraordinarily happy, extraordinarily proud um, of what, you know, the entire front office, what everyone's been able to do, the team, the staff, the coaches. But at the end of the day, no offense to anybody, but getting into the wild card weekend is like, that should just be a minimum floor. I get it's the Lions. That's not really what something that we're used to, but hey, like you have a job to do in the NFL and it's to get to a Super Bowl. If you can't win a playoff game, a single playoff game, you're still not, you're not running with the dogs. Yeah. And you know, the one thing I will give them is the hosting a playoff game, which you have to, you know, it's an accomplishment to set up to be in that situation. That is something like in of itself does have value. Just the fact that the fan base has a game to look forward to down there in the playoffs. Like I, so that's to defend them a little bit. I can't say it's nothing, nothing, but if they lose, I don't care if it's by one point or a hundred it to me, it really, it doesn't, you can't completely eliminate. It's not like, Oh, the may as well have gone four and 13, but it mostly eliminates the goodwill. At least for me, I'm not going to look back at this season and say, Oh my God, what a magical run. I'm not, but a lot of people are. I think I will be most disappointed and I don't want, I, I'm like a, I try to be like of what you put in, in the universe is like what you get out. Yes. Um, so I don't want to go out and say, Hey, if they lose on Sunday, I really believe they're going to win that game. Um, but I do think that 
I kind of lost my train of thought. But I do think that it's it's very telling and very important by what happens on Sunday to like figure out, okay, what's next? Where do they go next? Um, you know, and I it will I will be very disappointed. Oh, this this is what I was gonna say. I will be disappointed if they lose because I know that they're good enough. And that's the point. And that's my point. Yes. They are good enough. Um, the Lions have to do a lot of things right on Sunday. It's this is not a cakewalk. I am terrified of the matchup. I feel like there was a big beef this week on social media. Like you weren't even allowed to say you're nervous. You weren't even allowed to say, I mean, there was a lot that went down about certain people in the media saying, Hey, I'm scared. I don't feel good about this game. I am very nervous about the matchup. Um, but the lions have to do a lot of things right to win this game. That being said, if they do play up to their capacity, I truly believe that they can beat virtually anybody or literally anybody, not virtually. Yeah. I mean, you know, either way, I mean, yeah. and that's kind of that's kind of my point. And that's when I responded to James. And again, it's not an attack on him. I just I disagree on where I'm at mentally and emotionally with the team and how I would perceive the season. But in my response to him, I said I could not disagree more. Something to that effect, because they are good enough to win. Right. I, so why would I say, oh, I'm so happy to be there. This isn't like George Mason making the final four and. <laughs> any fan of that university, which was in part at Michigan State's expense in 06, but anyone that in the George Mason fan base, you know, the eight people that there are, if they had said, man, I'm just happy to be at the Final Four, uh, I'll defend that. But the Detroit Lions are a home favorite. Right. They've been the better team all year. Uh, I, I mean, there's no reason anybody should be saying cherry on top of anything. You should be going there expecting to win. And honestly, even taking it past that, I want them in the conference championship game. Even I, if they win and then lose next week, to me, I'm not happy. I, I, I need them in the, the final four, per se. Is that crazy? Yeah, that I think, given the year, is a little aggressive. I will tell you, though, this might be an insane take. <laughs> if the Lions win on Sunday pretty handedly, I think that there's a very good chance that that team could go to the Super Bowl. I think also the script is just too good. Whoever wrote it. It's absolutely bizarre, and I still can't believe that Matthew Stafford's coming to Detroit. Um, I think that if we go back into Jerry World, I would love the Packers to beat them, which the Packers are they're a little sneaky young they're team right now. They're frisky. They're very frisky. Um, but I think if we go to Jerry World, it's game over. Like, the Lions are <laughs> good luck, Dak. That's what I have to say. I, I'm actually with you, and that's coming from the pessimist side. They're so mad. About what happened. And, you know, I was telling anybody that would listen, like the best bet in the world was Lions against the Vikings in the last week because Dan Campbell and that whole locker room is so pissed and they're going to take it out on Minnesota. And, mm -hmm. you know, they ended up covering. Uh, I, I think they have an edge to them where they can be in that situation. If you get to the doorstep of a Super Bowl, which is the conference championship game, as much as I'm a title or bust guy in general, you win the first division title in like 30 years. You win not just one, but two playoff games. You have, in effect, doubled the playoff win total of the last 65 years. Right. Even I can't be like, oh, what a failure. I mean, that'd be pretty cynical, yeah. even for me. Look so at where, look, that is the bar. Well, not to cut you off, but I think everything with this franchise happened so rapidly and so quickly. Um, I think not that I'm saying, hey, don't get ahead of your like, just don't get ahead of yourself. Like with that saying like, hey. It's NFC championship or bust because, um, you know, there was someone from 
Champagne Athletics, he posted uh, just on Instagram or Twitter like two days ago. He's like, hey, this was a post from this date. It was January 9th, 2021. And I think the team was what, two and 14 or something. And it just was like, hey, hats off to all you people going into Ford Field today to watch this. I mean, think two years and now we're talking about NFC championship. We're talking about like the word Super Bowl, like that just was dream and fairy tale for us for so long. And it's such an elusive topic for us, but I don't know. That's why I'm just saying, don't like, let's not get too ahead of ourselves, Justin. If you're like, hey, well, I'm already ahead of myself because I, I, these things aren't, you see these teams flare up that they're only good for one year. It's not linear. The Oklahoma City Thunder went to the finals. They were actually favored. People forget that. They were favored in that series against the Heat. They lost. Okay. No problem. Three guys under 25. We got the whole core. We'll have multiple runs at this. They never even made it back to the finals, let alone one. Well, that's the other thing, too, about the NFL that I think a lot of people now, it's just like, oh, we got our guys in place and we got, think of all these draft picks and we're still on really young contracts. Like the trajectory for them for the next five years is going to be, we're set, we're gravy. Like if you take a look back at last year and certain teams were doing what they were doing and, you know, who was in wildcard weekend. I mean, perfect example, Super Bowl, Super Bowl uh, matchup. Philly is not even, no one even knows if they're going to make it out of Wild Card Weekend. I mean, that's how crazy. That's why they call it the not, not for long league. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, I, you don't want to say, oh, be a pessimist and say, yeah, the, you know, we ne- this might not happen again for the Lions for a really long time. But I think we need to relish in it right now. People need to be very appreciative of what's happening and not take any of it for granted. I mean, it took 30 years. That's the key. It's, it's not about being a pessimist. It's about being realistic about the opportunity before them. There's so many examples. The sustained success, you know, Chiefs, Patriots before they fell apart. That's the exception. I can rattle off the top of my head, like just from the perspective, like Cleveland Browns won a playoff game with Baker Mayfield. They had a great roster up and down both sides of the ball. Like great defense, great offensive personnel. Baker at the time was, you know, hot, which great. He was 24. They thought they were set up for years. Okay, you know, we won a playoff game. You know, we're, we're in it and we're, you know, we're rolling a little bit here and going forward, it'll be better. Two terrible years in a row. And then they had to kind of reset. Yep. The Jacksonville Jaguars looked great. What, they went 13 games, doorstep of a Super Bowl. They were actually competitive in that game against the Pats. They lost. They haven't even been close since. Right. Andrew Lux, Indianapolis Colts, doorstep of a Super Bowl, same victim, our same uh, perpetrator, the Patriots knocked them out. They thought Andrew Luck, 25, 26 years old, former number one overall pick, good He's roster, doorstep of a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They haven't even come close since. So, like, there, we have to be a little careful with the like w- lowering the bar now. Now is they're good enough right now. They are good enough. You agree. They can, they, there's no reason they, they can't feel like they can beat anybody. Yes. Again, they have to like everything with this team right now for them to go deep in the playoffs has to go kind of right from like a game plan, scheme, execution, health. All that has to be firing for them to do that. If we're just looking at a sheet of paper and we're looking at stat lines, I think there's some gaps and holes. I think they're obvious. Yes. Which is one of my biggest worries about this weekend. It's very obvious um, if we're looking at the secondary and the matchups that we have. But yes, I think it's just the 
tenacity and grittiness and the the culture of the team right now it's firing and that's what's going to get those guys to win games i mean you you hear uh you heard a lot this week well none of these guys have playoff experience none of these guys have done this before what maybe five guys on the roster um but i think sometimes like like we always say the word grit right but grit and effort and buy-in and belief can get you over the hump sometimes in the nfl playoffs because truthfully if you get there, anything can happen. I kind of like the inexperience in a way because we saw the same thing with the Seahawks when they went on their, you know, I mean, I guess by the second run, they had the experience of having just won the first one. But for their first Super Bowl, the Broncos had, I mean, even aside from Peyton Manning, had significantly more experience, playoff experience. That was a stat like head to head. The Legion of Boom, obviously, Russell Wilson was very young, hadn't done anything yet. Uh, that whole team was young and hadn't accomplished anything. That right. was like their first real run. And they won the whole thing. And not only won, they destroyed the favored Broncos in the Super Bowl. I think that can help a little bit. Like, you're kind of like, you don't know what you don't know. It's the same reason the Packers are kind of scary if you're a Cowboys fan. Like, the Packers are almost too dumb and young to, like, realize they should be scared. It would not shock me at all. You know, they always say Dak is Dak in the playoffs. Yeah. And I'm not here to, like, he's had a phenomenal year. He's had a great year. Um but if if the Packers went in there this week and won, I would not be like, oh, my God, like upset of the weekend. Yeah, you'd not be stunned. I would not be stunned. The 49ers big picture in this league are the one team where I'd be like, man, that would that that's a tough assignment. You're going to be on the road. But even if that happens and I'm not saying, oh, I'm rooting for an injury. One hit to the quarterback that's out, I'm picking the Lions are an in-game favorite if the game's tied. Like, you know, Sam Darnold's trotting out there. I'm not rooting for that. But you you got to get, like, on the field. You got to get in that situation. Sure. I want to have the opportunity to play for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Anything other than that is going to be deflating for me. So that's that's where I stand. What scares you most going into Sunday night? It, specifically, like, take the emotion out of it, because and I know that's tough. <laughs> From a football perspective, You've seen the Rams play. We're familiar with their quarterback's work. What are you worried about on the field in that matchup? Well, uh, the obvious thing for me would be the secondary. Um, The Lions, if you look at that team holistically throughout the season, how that defense starts a game is typically what you're going to get out of that team for four quarters. Um, it's either like, oh my God, AG got it right tonight, or it's oh my God, they you can missed. tell early. Yes. Yeah. If whatever happens on those first two drives, whether we defer to the Rams or the Rams win the toss and they want to take the ball, what is going to happen? You cannot let Matthew Stafford get out of the pocket or sit there for 10 minutes, no, no pass rush, no blitz. If the Lions give up those gash chunk plays, those 30, 50, 60 yard plays right out the get, that is when you know it's going to be a bad day for Aaron Glenn's defense. And that is the difference in the game. I'm telling you right now, if you just give up yardage to Puka and Cooper Cup, it's going to be a hard night. They cannot do that. So I don't care. I'd rather you send five. I'd rather you blitz all day. I I don't. You. Cam Sutton. Love him. Look at look at who's playing in CB2 now. You have Kendall Vildor. You know, again, I don't want anyone getting dusted at Ford Field on Sunday night. I don't want that for our team at all. 
So figure it out. All you have to do, you have to contain Matthew. You have to hurry him. You have to make him uncomfortable because that guy can sling the ball. Love it or hate it. He's still one of the best in the league at it. And a future Hall of Famer and, you know, Super yeah. Bowl champion of recent vintage. They're talking and- about like media talking about like, oh, Matthew's gray now going back to Ford Field and he can still uh, sling the ball. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I His mean, gray hair has nothing to do with it. He's just <laughs> fine. I mean, Favre yeah. was still slinging it like eight years older than Stafford is now. I mean, the, the distinction between Goff and Stafford, really there's two in particular. And the reason why Jared Goff came along with two first round picks and a third round pick for just Stafford, it's the arm strength, obviously. Um, Goff's downfield throw issues have been grossly overstated. He's, you know, average to slightly actually above average. People don't realize this. Stafford is elite historically. So that's one. The second is Goff is great, fantastic, top five in the league, even adjusted against a average to below average pass rush. When he has protection, he's better than Mahomes. Yes. Statistically, which is, I know, but that's what the numbers say. But he's atrocious against a heavy pass rush. Stafford, conversely, can beat a blitz with the best of them. So to me, that is the key, is how does Goff's line hold up? And how does that secondary hold up on the line side? Because guess what? If you just blitz Stafford, you're dead because he's, he's lethal against the blitz. Sure. So you can't, you have to be able to generate a pass rush without sending a fifth guy or sixth guy. Oh, see, I'm kind of more about the blitz. I, that's why I'm addressing your point. I, dis, I kind of yeah. disagree. Now, obviously it depends. You adjust in game. If he's got all day to throw and he's just picking you apart back there, you got to change something up. But I think they're going to be in trouble if they need to resort to that because he kills the blitz historically in his career. And I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm the biggest Aiden Hutchinson fan. I think it's more of a function of he's constantly double teamed and we can never make them pay for it. Well, I think you bring up Hutch. I think that's like the obvious place to go. But if I was the game planning for this game, like almost take Hutch out of your plan because you know their plan is to just shut him down. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Take him out. Yeah. So James Houston, I think they said today, like, hey, dude, show us that you're good. Show us that you're healthy and you're going to play. Um, so I pray he's going to play. Then again, you're talking about a football player that has not played a snap of real football in the better part of, what, three months. So who knows really what he's going to look like. Um, so you're going to just have to start involving people more. Your, you know, even like your iffies and people like that who's just done like a phenomenal job, um, you know, and thank God we have a lean back. But if you talk about, hey, can this team go win a Super Bowl? Can they go compete in an NFC North champ or NFC championship? That is outside of our corners and secondary. That that's a kind of a gaping hole, and we've talked about it for weeks on end. It, it's it's frightening a little bit because and and the thing is and you said it we have seen the pass rush have good games mm-hmm. good days so you know what does that look like I think we'll know pretty early I'll, I'll be able to tell like let's say somehow we end up you know scoreless through one okay so no one scored yet I still think I'll have a pretty good idea how the game's going to end just by what the line looks like if they're not generating any pressure on Stafford without sending guys. That's not going to end well. I mean, I, I'm going to know pretty early in my head anyway. Are we in trouble or do I feel okay? I think I think the Lions are going to have a big edge mentally. I think they are, are ready for this, and I think they're going to be dialed in. The Rams, a little bit Jekyll and Hyde, even 
by the Lions, Jekyll, and the Hyde standards. Overall, though, I still feel pretty solidly. You feel pretty good, you said, going in. Is that fair? Yes, because I think us hosting and having home field advantage is going to be the difference in that game. Um, It's funny. People are like, well, Matthew's coming back to Ford Field. Uh, Matthew Stafford has not played a game at Ford Field in the Dan Campbell era, and let alone in 2022 and 2023 what's happening over the past two years. It's a very different environment there now. Um, And I think that the fans and just the whole atmosphere, and I think – Thank you for the script. Thank you for sending us Matthew Stafford because I think that's going to give our team, like you heard um, Amonra in the locker room today. Like he said, yeah, obviously this is a team effort and it's all about all of our guys and winning this game because we all deserve and we want to be there. We want to win. Um, but this is, you can say, oh, I don't want to make it about the Jared narrative, but this is a Jared narrative. This is his game. This is his week. This is his time. and I have never wanted to see a Detroit athlete. I truly, in my heart, want to succeed more than him, especially in this game. We're kindred on that, and you know I'm my di- feelings. I'm like ride or die for Jared. <laughs> so you did, you did not sign or co-sign the love letter to Matthew Stafford that Tony Dombrowski sent out? You didn't co-sign that? I didn't dearest co-sign. John, dearest John Matthew, you know where do I begin or whatever? We all love Matthew Stafford. We all respect him for who he is yes. as an athlete, what he's done for the city. Love him. I don't have a bad thing to say about Matthew Stafford. That said, dude wanted out. He requested the trade. He was done here. His his clock had expired. He is no longer a Detroit Lion. It's not. This is this game has nothing to do with him. So respect him. Love him. You know, everyone can speak and do whatever they need to do. But like this week has this isn't about him. This is this is about the Detroit Lions and Jared Goff. It's like all you hear all week is the, the narrative around Matthew's return to Detroit. What about Jared Goff getting dumped on the side of the road? Okay. And, and then that, he- to me, is much more pertinent. The, in sports, just as a general matter, the team that gave up on you, the team, you know, Chauncey Billups talked about the five teams that gave up on him before mm-hmm. the Detroit was the first team, not only to bring him in and give him stability, but gave him a long-term contract. Like it's it's the getting spurned and the the sort of f u athlete mentality that's there, and it's in particular relevant here. I think the Stafford thing is the most overrated storyline in this. It's there. Maybe I I respect it a little bit more than you as a storyline. You have to talk about it. That's fine. To me, by far more compelling is the golf angle, and specifically not just that the Rams got rid of him. It was the nature of the relationship on the way out where it was so bad. Yep. That even Sean McVay, with you know the typical healthy head coach ego of a guy who's handsome, young, rich, and has a beautiful bride, it, even Sean McVay had to come out and admit, like, ah, oh, yeah, I handled that like shit. I mean, he mm-hmm. publicly owned that. People forget. There was a great article on ESPN. We we pulled it up. You know, it's like Emily Surly, I think her name is, wrote it. Fantastic article written a couple years ago, right when Golf left, talking about the nature of those really last couple months, but really that last year. McVeigh was undermining him, bad mouthing him to fellow staffers. You know, was saying like openly why openly too. Oh yeah, openly. yeah, like just, just. <laughs> and this is a captain, a guy just took it to the Super Bowl two years earlier at the time, and you know, two time Pro Bowl guy. And look, even if you're kind of off on him, it, I'd never said it was a crime to make that trade. I thought it was a good trade for the Rams when they did it, even with the draft picks. And I'm a big golf guy. It was never about that. It was the disrespect that he showed him 
And he he would make remarks. I mean, pretty demeaning. I mean, if you pull up the article, it's it's such a good article with the the tale, and he would make remarks. I mean, I'm paraphrasing in a little bit, but effectively saying that Goff was like too stupid to like he he just doesn't get it. I don't understand. He you know this is McVeigh like ranting the you know other yeah. assistants and staffers saying I don't know why he can't figure this out. Like really really demeaning stuff. So this is more than just, ah, we gave up on you. Like the Pistons traded Chris Middleton, but, you know, it wasn't like they disrespected him or, you know, badmouthed him. It's just like they didn't see that he was good. This is like, this guy could not have been more dissed by yes. McVeigh. Is that, is, am I crazy to think that's by far the biggest and most compelling storyline here? Yes. And I think it deserves more attention. And I also think people need to realize Jared got shipped here across the country. If you go watch his opening press conference back. Oh, it's just, it's, it's kind of moving. Um, he handled it with class, high character, grace, uh, gratitude. Like you couldn't have asked for, again, we always say who won the trade. I think it's almost like one of the most win-win trades in, in NFL. And you can say for argue for however, however long, but um, I definitely think it's like the most compelling storyline and I don't think it gets the credit that it deserves. And I don't think Jared gets the credit that he deserves. If we can pull up his stat lines for the year, um, he's arguably top five in the majority of categories. And I think where this fan base loses their mind is God forbid he throws a pick. I'm not saying that throwing interceptions multiple in a game is not a crappy thing. Um, Every quarterback in this league, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, they all throw picks. It's okay. Like, they're still talented. They're still good quarterbacks. But, like, Jared, I just feel like it's this, I don't know, it's like this never-ending, like, oh, it's not good enough because he turns the ball over or this. It's like, well, go look at his other numbers. But now the other side of the coin, now it's time to show everybody. Now you're at the stage again, Jared. So there's a lot of people like you and I that we have given grace and advocacy and support to him. Um, you know, we can talk stats all day and, and passing yards and this and that, but now's your test. Can you go on the stage, which is, they're saying, the biggest NFL wildcard game of the weekend, biggest playoff game. Can you go out there in your own home field and can you take care of business? And I... I need him to because I love him. <laughs> uh, I, well, I'm with you. I still think, like, let's say he struggles. I, I still would not, like, I don't base my entire opinion on someone on one poor showing. I mean, even Mahomes had, like, an unthinkably bad playoff game when they lost to uh, the Bengals. It was like, what has this guy been doing? <laughs> like, so, and, and uh, so I'm a little careful to say, you know, if he, now if he throws five interceptions or, I mean, that's tough to recover from, but if he's kind of just okay and they don't, they don't win, I'm still not going to condemn the guy, but in general, I'm with you because this is set up for him. 100%. Like you're at home in a dome. The concerns that even I have is like the biggest golf fan is like on the road, cold weather, a little bit overstated. Like if you look at his numbers, they definitely are worse, but so are most quarterbacks in inclement weather versus a dome. He's not like this atrocious quarterback. It's a little bit of a myth. His record is still way above or fairly above 500 outside. Yeah, but even yeah. taking that out of it, just like his production is he gets worse, but it's not like people act like he just falls apart. That's not really true, but he's he's definitely not a warm or a cold weather quarterback either. He's not Roethlisberger in his prime, you know, big hoss out there with a giant paw. He's, you know, got. But the, you know what? You can't even say that anymore because look at the stadiums now. 
There's very few that are just playing in icicles in January anymore. No, that's true. <laughs> I'm just saying statistically, sure. they are with there. There is a gap there. I'm just saying it's not as big as people pretend. People right. act like he's completely inept, and that's the numbers don't bear that out. But it is set up for him to succeed here. And I, I think it is. The McVeigh thing to me is so fascinating because I can't recall a single time, even publicly, the article revealed a lot of that kind of behind closed doors that McVeigh was too open about. But I mean, I don't know if you remember when they asked him at the end of the season, you know, Goff went in there and had been benched and he's got his broken finger or thumb, whatever it was, actually played, played pretty well on a playoff loss on the road as a backup, which is just, you know, the ending of his humiliation. And they asked McVeigh, you know, is, is he your quarterback? And he goes, ah, he's my quarterback right now. Like he's all disgusted. And it's, you know, this, this guy's been dissed. What did golf do to this guy? You know, it's, right. it's, it's crazy. And I, I just think this is easily the most compelling storyline. I actually think he'll be okay, but it does come down to the offensive line. But if you're going to tell me, that I have a quarterback that as long as I give him adequate protection, I'm not saying all day because the stats are golf when he has average amount of time, not all day, an average amount of time in the pocket, he's top five in the league. I'll take that in a quarterback. Yes, I'd rather have Mahomes, of course. I'd rather have the guy that can win under any circumstance. Right. He, he can beat the worst splits. In the, like, but look at what's in this league. I'm happy he's our quarterback. Like, big picture, I still like him, even you know, not just this Sunday, but going forward. Am I crazy to, to still have faith in golf? Absolutely not. And that's where I think people, too, get so just kind of delusional with certain things. You know, I've talked about this with several people because the big debate, what, do, what does Brad Holmes do? Do they extend him? Do they just let him ride out next year? Do they tag him? They have the ability to tag him twice, which I think at the end of the day, obviously, that shows disrespect and no, you know, non-real belief in your quarterback. Um, but I think that there are so many teams around the NFL. We could literally go through all 32. There are teams that would demand that they would they would open their checkbook for him because a lot of people are saying, oh, well, we'll keep golf if, if he takes a team friendly deal. OK, what does that mean? Because guess what? He can go down and knock on the Atlanta Falcons door and say, hey, I'd like $52 million a year. And there's teams out there that would do that. And if people don't agree with that, then I, I disagree with you respectfully there are too many teams in the league that need him as their qb1 we are lucky to have him here's the counterpoint because i'm one of the people that said kind of a version of that i said you can't back up the brinks and do the thing where anytime there's a free agent quarterback or an upcoming free agent quarterback with a pulse they set the record for the richest contract in the right. nfl i actually spoke out against that even as big of a golf fan as i am He's going to get a, a huge contract, whether it's here or elsewhere. That's a given. It's the nature of that position. I mean, look what Daniel Jones got paid for. Christ Which is, sakes. look at how that is. I, but I that didn't go well, because that's not, now Goss better. But he is, I, I would not but, even put them in the same tier at all. No, 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 I, no I agree. Yeah. I, to clarify, but it's just a matter of degree of overpay. Daniel Jones is ridiculously, embarrassingly overpaid. Goff would just be kind of overpaid. I, you're, you're not going to get a discount discount. So but you, I would go to Goff and say, look. We're spending to the cap. Do a little bit like Patriots Brady thing. Brady took less every year of his career. We'll make you the like fifth or sixth highest paid quarterback. Like I, I can't make that. Him number I think one. that I think is fair. That's what I'm I, talking. I'm about. not out here saying that that Jared deserves to go and say, "Hey, I want 55 milli for four years." So I'm not saying that. Um, but what I'm also not saying is like I don't think it's crazy if he was like team friendly deal. What does that really mean? But 
if he were to say, hey, how about how's 47 million sound? I just how does give him in the top six to eight. That's yeah. fine. And to me, that's fair for him. And, you know, he loves Campbell. He has a support system here. The The counterpoint is I am in I'm openly petrified that I think it's a given Ben Johnson's going to leave. And yep. we have not seen golf succeed here without Ben Johnson. And it flipped like immediately. I mean, when he took over midseason last year, like the numbers, I mean, it was I'm sorry, it's hard to ignore that he was struggling, struggling, struggling. And in the second Ben Johnson grabs the play sheet, it's like he's good. You know, and you got to put in context two down years with the Rams prior. Yep. Got here, struggled, struggled, struggled. Ben Johnson takes over immediately good. I don't think it's insane. We have a two and a half year data set. It's not a small sample size. We have a sample size of like 40 games of him struggling without Ben Johnson in a row. And then it was good the second Johnson took over. I don't think it's insane to say, okay, we all understand it's overwhelmingly likely Ben Johnson's gone. What does that look like? Maybe that's the argument to, because he has one year left. He's not an upcoming free agent. No. Right? He's not one year left. Maybe you talk about extension early next season. I want to see him without Ben Johnson. Is that crazy? That's, That's the play. No, I don't think it's crazy. I think it's fair. You don't have to give him the contract now. What if you're worried about the Ben Johnson thing, which I think they should be, even if I'm not saying worried like it's a guarantee he's going to flop, but it's a valid concern. Yeah. Why, why pay him early? There's no, re- there's no strategic benefit to it. No, I don't think you have to, but if you wait and things do transpire for them to be lights out, even at, like again a year from now, yeah. his, his price is just going to keep rising again. That's the risk you can take. Yeah. But also, all we keep hearing about all the time is Ben Johnson's offense, Ben Johnson and Jared Goff. I think something that people forget is a lot of the offense, from what we know, a lot of it is, is Dan's offense. Um, Come on, Natalie. Ted flipped the second he took over. Yeah, Come but on. also, you have to remember, like, Campbell was so green. It's Ben Johnson's scheme, though. Come on. Now. Okay. Well, we have we have people waiting in the wings. So uh, I don't know. You got another Ben Johnson. I mean, the last he's st- but he you know what? Hire but, ben but okay, we talk about Ben Johnson. We yeah. could everyone in this town loves him. Yes, he's a godsend, right? Yes. Thank you, Matt Patricia, who hired him. Look at his red zone numbers this year. Look at yes, I our offense is extraordinarily high powered. Do I think a lot of that's because of our personnel? Absolutely. Am I trying to undermine what Ben Johnson has done? No. But I don't think his offense this year has been kind of what was expected with certain things, i.e. red zone numbers and stuff. Well, the one thing I'll say about red zone, I I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. The Chiefs have had, maybe it was both years, definitely one of the last two years if you looked it up, the Chiefs had a really bad red zone offense, but a very good offense overall. The red zone offense is one of those things that can be kind of fluky. There's just, there's not as many trips to the red zone as there are just offensive possessions. Like you can have like a, you know, a bad couple of tip passes and that drops your red zone conversion rate by 9% and you go from third best to like 17. I mean, it's, it's a little bit, it's like turnovers. It's a little bit, like you kind of have to look at a longer sample size and the chiefs, like I said, great offense. I I think it was last year when they won the Super Bowl, but definitely one of the last two years, it's Andy Reid, the best play caller. I think in my opinion ever. And they had a bad red zone offense, and that's Mahomes. So sure. it's just, it's a little bit, I'm not going to kill him. It's, it's a valid thing. I want to see, like, okay, long term, but we're not going to get to see that. He's going to be the head coach somewhere. Yeah. My point is, back-to-back years, top five offense, right? 
for sure. I mean, yes, that's what I really care about. I mean, I, do I care about your red zone conversion rate because you scored a touchdown from the forty-two on a long? It's not really. Right. It's like what? Like what are you actually producing? Right. And that to me, like red zone is obviously it's important, but you know what is your overall production? They've been right. elite. So to me, that's yeah. the way to handle golf. As far as the Rams go, I think it is by far the most interesting storyline. I think they're going to win, but this is well, you a said bad. The Lions. I think the Lions are going to win. But this yeah. is a bad draw. I think we have to understand that. Oh, the, yeah, the we people, got a terrible draw. But people are, I saw the same stuff you were seeing about like, how dare you express concern? I'm sorry, Lions fans. Like, I'm not doing that. I, I mean, I called out Tony Dombrowski for the love letter stuff. I think that's the other extreme to Stafford. <laughs> like, I don't think you should be fawning over him. But like this idea that the Rams aren't scary, even if you're a McVay skeptic, okay, maybe you think he's the sixth or seventh best coach in the league instead of top three or four like he is on most lists. That's fine. He's a very good coach. Just won a Super Bowl five seconds ago. It was a runner-up in another one. You know, Stafford's a Hall of Famer. I, I, it's it is a scary matchup. It, it is. I, I just I think people need to be a little bit realistic that this is going to be right. a challenge. One hundred percent. And I think if you go into like playoff football and stuff, why do teams win? Why do teams get to the Super Bowl? There's one reason. There's an X factor. Nine times out of ten, it's what turnovers with their quarterback. Oh, yeah. I so mean, to me, turnovers that, are the great when, equalizer. When, but yeah, sure. When you say yeah. when you say that they got a bad draw, I wouldn't disagree with that because we can go through, again, stat lines all day and and, and like look at a Jordan Love. We would have rather played him. Yeah. Why don't we draw them? Um, but Matthew Stafford, that is. <laughs> it's a little scary. The upside's higher, though. Like, it, like you said, I think it was before the show. It's like if we do win, that'll be even more awesome. What's, what's your plan? I know you're obviously you're going. Yes. It's I a know. night game. I think it's eight o'clock, right? Sunday night. Like, we what? got the, we got the NBC. We got everybody. We got Collinsworth, Tariko, the whole crew. What, what's like the Sparbeck itinerary? I'm just, I'm curious because Andy Isaac <laughs> has turned off cell phone notifications. He is, he's trying to hide from me. So I'm going to be trying to find him wherever he is. Like, what do you do? Are you going on there tailgating? What are you doing Sunday? Uh, other than like vomiting out of fear. Okay, so you're going to be curled up. No, 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 no. I will be ready to rock and roll. I will be downtown. Um, I will be down there early. I will be tailgating and praying and drinking and just trying to surround myself with with obviously positive energy and good vibes and friends um, because it's a really special day. So like even if people can't like if you don't have tickets, like it's it's gonna be a really special day down there. But I, to answer your question, you said if they win, not if they win, when they win. Um, I don't know. Oh, I do have a gripe though. I have a major gripe. Um, Detroit needs to I don't know restaurant bar owners anybody listening to this, they need to get with the with the itinerary like turn this into a legitimate sports town. Because if this team wins, I don't care that it's Sunday night. People got to leave their doors open. I mean, it's going to be a party down there. Monday night football against the Raiders after they won, the whole city was crickets afterwards. People wanted to party. People wanted to celebrate. Crickets, ghost town. I mean, if the Lions win a playoff game, I don't know what's going to go, what's going to ensue or transpire down there, but. That's why I love Chicago. When I live it's in Chicago, be it's like Chicago, like the Cubs won. I mean, we left like right when they won the World Series, but we saw one of their playoff runs there before we left. Like one, you know, reg, uh, one like not clinching game, just a playoff win mm-hmm. when the Cubs are there. Like Chicago just like lit up going crazy right. everywhere just right. from an individual playoff right. win. I mean, 
I'm with you. It's actually a good point. Detroit doesn't have a great like. I legitimately wanted yeah. to. I was going to tweet this out the other day to be like, yo. Where would that be, though? Like Detroit has a lot of like, this is over they, here. This is over here going on. They have to leave something open because people are yeah. going to want to. I'm, I agree. I'm just I'm trying to think like, where's it that going to be? Like Hockey Town Cafe? <laughs> There's not yeah. a great like central, like like Wrigleyville's like Wrigleyville. Like you're in Wrigleyville. That's where yeah, you're going to be. Like that's, around? We don't have Alwood. Like Alwood, leave your doors open. That's like an individual <laughs> place, but there's no like stretch of like 12 bars the way most cities have. Like Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would. it was supposed to be the District of Detroit, but that's a whole other show why that didn't happen. And that, it's funny you meant because that was part of the appeal was like the district of Detroit was going to be this sort of center hub for people to go down and there's going to be all these restaurants and housing and, and bars. And there was going to be a comedy club and stores. And like, that would have been, that's right. what that was supposed to be, or at least what it was sold as. Yeah. That's a whole other discussion. Yeah. Another reason why that's depressing. Do you remember that we talked about your first appearance here in the off season, this exact playoff matchup? Do you remember that we discussed this a little bit? Did we talk about the Rams? We talked about what happens if this happens, and I expressed concern. Ben, I'll take you back there. Let's take us back, Ben. <laughs> Me talking about McVay versus Campbell. Let's run it. What if the Rams are good in another year or two, and then, then it ends up? I, I think McVay would destroy him schematically. Belichick took McVay to school in that Super Bowl. McVay admitted that after the fact. I don't think he's, he's up to snuff in that situation. I think he can win your division for you and get you your little banner. And then we're going to, you know, be in a situation where unless we're blowing a team out, it's going to come down to a decision he's making. And I don't trust him. Okay, Ben, first of all, Ben, can you run that again? Just the first like five seconds. Look at Natalie's face. When I say at the beginning that I don't trust Campbell schematically. Oh, God. Look at that always react. What if the Rams are good in another year or two? And then, then it ends up. I, I think McVeigh would destroy him schematically. Belichick took McVeigh to school. <laughs> okay. <and answered laughs> McVay You're like horrified by the notion. So it's so I, I, this is like a few months ago. I'm like, you know, my fear is, okay. I, and I said on that show, I picked him to win the division, as did you. And I said, I, I believe that they can do that. The division's down. But my fear was you get into this scenario, you're in the playoffs, McVay versus Campbell. I think McVay's a better coach. That's what I said a few months ago. I'm Obviously, that was before this great season we had. I'm a, I have a little more faith in Campbell, but I'm still petrified, and I still believe most NFL games, especially in the playoffs, come down to a handful of decisions. That Cowboys game, as bad as it was, did not put any faith in the Campbell thing. If you're, you, Well, you've always been against his play calling, and – the from the seven that was asinine. Yeah, did you hear Costa? I did. I did. I sent him <laughs> a message. Was amazing. About that. Yeah, that was yeah. amazing. Um, here's the thing though. Whenever everyone, like all the naysayers, coming out with their takes about Dan and analytics, and I'm not here to like disagree with y'all. But what I will say is like you just have to understand who he is as a person and as a coach. At this point, that's Dan. If anyone sat there and was like, he's going to take the points. No, you're he never was going to take the points. That's not who he is as a coach. Uh, can that be your biggest hindrance? 100% as much as it can be your biggest attribute. I think, in a, you know, when it comes to like coaching and in decisions and stuff, I'm not an NFL coach. I don't have a headset on. I don't I'm not. You know what I'm saying? I'm the farthest, farthest thing from that. But Dan was never going to do that. He was never going to sit there and be like, okay, we're going to tie the game. Just, just to clarify, even from the seven after the bullshit penalty? Yeah, I don't, oh. I don't agree with it. 
But what he said to his guys when that happened, when, when I put, do you see that tweet I put out? You could see Campbell say to them on the sidelines, he said, we're going to stop him. Yeah, yeah. And then they did. I do not know what Mike McCarthy was doing by throwing the ball. I think that yeah, was, thank you, Mike. Yes. That was insane. But he told his guys, he said, we're going to get the ball back. We're going to go score a touchdown and we're going to win the game and go home. Yeah, I said it on Twitter. I too, don't think but he was I, not after not after the penalty. Also, my argument was I don't think Dan ever would have made that decision had it been in a playoff setting. He was like, screw it. We won the North. We're hosting a playoff game. Like we're fighting for the we're fighting for seating right now. And this would be the icing on top of the cake. Or icing on the cake. Maybe, but that's a theory just based on I mean, not it's like hope. I, I can only go by what I've seen him do. And what I've seen him do in the very recent past, we're talking about the example, is make a decision that, I mean, it, this was not a fringe plus or minus 2%. It was like a 15% reduction in yeah. win probability. Do I think some of it had to do, Dan is emotional. like he's that's, not, But that's not a good thing. Right. That's not, that's not, that's a problem. So that's not a defense. Yeah. So, you're supporting me, if anything. Right. So you're in on it or you're out on it. Like, I, again. It's, it's, but I disagree <laughs> even with that because I loved going for it originally. It's, you ha it's situation dependent. I'm not conservative. I think the biggest mistake in Detroit Lions coaching history, in, in the context of the moment, obviously not something that happened in week two, was Jim Caldwell in the same exact type of situation. By the way, in the same building. I was at that game. Luckily, not this most recent one. I was down in Dallas for that game. It was right after the Cotton Bowl, Michigan State beat Baylor. I'm sorry. Yes, the Lions got completely hosed on the picked up flag with the DPI on Pettigrew. It was egregious. We all understand that. It set up a ultimately fourth and one from plus, it was like plus, I think it was there at like the 40 or 41 of Dallas. So they were in plus territory just outside of field goal range. It called a punts when you, with, when a touchdown ends the game and it's one yard and you had, that was a great offense. I had Calvin, Golden Tate, Reggie Bush when he was the last thousand yard rusher. There's, they had that huge gap. Stafford, obviously, first round tight end and pedigree. They had a great offense. They punted for a yard when you have the huge risk of, Punt block, bad snap, shanked punt, touchback that barely nets you anything. And one of those outcomes happened. It was a shaked punt from Sam Martin. They lost because of that. So, yes, the refs screwed them in Dallas then, just like they did now. But those situations are so similar. That Caldwell mistake, the decision to punt, was the worst decision. But don't you think football was a lot different back then? How, what do you mean? Like how just the risk-taking not going for by, the, by then that was even then considered real yes you're I right i really do think it was different but. It, it was but not different enough that that was a real-time criticized decision rightfully so i couldn't believe it. my friend gorman we're sitting there like, yeah, fourth oh, and like one. okay fourth and one like figure out call something good dial something. we we couldn't believe they were sending the putter out we thought they were gonna like stupidly fake it but there's no way they're punting this ball and it, if you're gonna punt it at least do a hard count and set up. Like, they didn't even do that. Like, because, you know, at that point in the field, like, five extra yards actually helps. And it ended up hurting because he tried to hit the perfect ball and, you know, to pin him. I, nothing about that made sense. Yeah. And it was what happened immediately after they got fucked. And people's takeaway from that game, which I get, is, oh, they got screwed. It's almost like we forget. Yeah, okay, yes, you got screwed. Yes, I, I'm sorry that happened. That was wrong. But it doesn't excuse you. You're saying you're not helping your own cause. Caldwell could have nullified the error 
of the, the officials that day. In the very next play, Caldwell blew it. Campbell, very similar situation. Could have, okay, just kick the extra point. We'll tie it up. Go win it in overtime. I, it's, I, the, the corollary there is kind of outstanding in the fact that, you know, big stage, same opponent, same building, same type of thing, like a flag comes out 20 seconds late in one game. 20 seconds, you know, early. It's the whole thing was it was kind of like inverse. I, I just I can't get over that. And this, by the way, this isn't nitpicking. Campbell's had a million of these like bizarre, weird decisions. I think I'm worried about that component because it's going to come down. First of all, I don't think either one of us think it's going to be a blowout in either direction, right? No. Probably going to be a close game. It's going to come down to a couple of those decisions. Do you trust Dan Campbell to do the right thing? I think it depends on the situation, but I am kind of a believer, which, you know, I, I always stick up for him. I, you do. You I do. do. Um, but I almost think, OK, because of what happened in Dallas and him getting called out by publicly by Jim Costa. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. That I give he, Costa credit for that. So do I. Yeah. I mean, this um, is good. I don't think he'll do that in the playoffs. When has he been conservative? I mean, he's, he's pretty. I mean. I, that's a lot of, I mean, even you said Dan, Dan's Dan. I, I don't know. I, to me, I'm worried. Obviously, we'll find out when we find out. But just as a Lions fan, I'm terrified that I think the Rams have an edge where even if it's just, oh, it's not 4D chess, brilliant stuff, although McVay is capable of that. He's a high, high-level coach. Just sometimes not doing the stupid thing, just staying out of your own way is half the battle. I don't trust Campbell the way I would trust McVay in that spot. And that's my biggest, more than any player, more than any scheme or player mismatch, I'm most worried about the coaching and situation. And you've said this about Dan since day one. So yes. I think until he takes the extra points in a playoff game, like on Sunday, you're just never going to, you're going to have that notion in your head. And that's fine. I'm just, they've You're, hurt me, Natalie. Do you know, do you know the yes, experience? I mean, come yes. on. Yes. Just like I'm about. sitting here advocating for our quarterback and telling you all the reasons why we should pay him and why, like, again, I'm going to have to sit here and fall on my sword if things go backwards with him on Sunday. No, oh, you and me both. We can We're, only we say what there. we believe, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm nervous, but it, just with that component, I don't want, if we lose, we lose and it'll be sad enough. I don't want to lose because of something dumb where it's a conscious decision that we made to do something dumb the lions cowboys thing to me yes the ref thing hurt i'm always more mad about something that like my team my coach my player whatever could have controlled like it like caldwell chose well you know what to lose that game here's my thing uh, I, again i think kind of not talked about enough there was 23 seconds left on that clock had they went and got the extra point or the the field goal. I'm sorry. Dallas has like the best kicker in the NFL right now. Dak just pushes them to the to the 40 and boom. But what, with 23 seconds left. So I think also, yeah, I think Dan knew that too, with the amount of time that was left on the clock and was like, screw it. But that shouldn't affect the decision because if that's your fear, that's gonna be your fear whether you tie it or go up by one. I mean, so I don't even understand. Like either way, it's they're, like Dallas was not going to take a knee. They were going to at least take one or two shots, like whether you were up by one or not. So I don't even know 
how that would play into the strategy. I was all for it. To me, no brainer. And even the analytics said it, was, it wasn't like a no brainer. I think it was like plus 2.4% or something. It was the right move to go for initially, not after the penalty. That was ridiculous. All right. Give me like 30 seconds on Stafford. I like that's not, we're not doing the Stafford storyline, but are you coming in here like, is there any type of, you know, you know, being your feels at all? Or no. Are you looking at them like it's Zero. Josh Allen or anybody else coming in? No. Anybody else? You've detached yourself from that. 1000%. Where are you at on him in general? Because I root for him every day except this, this week, basically. Love him. Okay. So I we're think basically the same. If you look at the NFL and you look at 32 starting quarterbacks, you there is no one of more utmost class, high character, work ethic, humble. He's everything you would ever want in your starting franchise quarterback. Um, that being said, he is not a lion anymore. This is the playoffs. Okay. This is why, why do we need to be in our feels about Matthew Stafford? I, a lot of people are. Okay. Guess what? The Rams come into Detroit next year and we play them regular season. Be in your feels then. But on Sunday, it's blood. It's blood, baby. Are you hanging like, out with I, Kelly Stafford before the game? Uh, no, I, I, I uh, I don't think I will be with with Kelly. I'm not a big Kelly Stafford fan. I, I know you're a big fan of her podcast, and you never miss an episode. But I like that was the one. <laughs> like Andy Isaac and I both had the same opinion with Stafford. We're just we love him so much. Like when he was here, but it, it's like the ultimate sort of asterisk or caveat or like kind of small fine print thing with him is that like Kelly Stafford is probably the most annoying sports maybe even celebrity spouse ever. I mean, she's certainly in the Hall of Fame. I, I, she's way up there. So her her being gleefully, joyously, like skipping around, celebrating, coming back <laughs> is honestly a bigger motivation than even the McVeigh thing. Like the idea of Kelly Stafford dancing out our graves in Detroit is so horrifying. <laughs> I, can't, I can't stand that. Yeah, I mean, again, the, the story for her has been written um, I think she is a very polarizing character um, in sports, which is really funny because she's not even the athlete, um, you know, doing the job or playing the game. Um, but I think, again, men, women, I think there's very differing opinions. I think people love and respect her for what, you know, how she advocated for Detroit and, you know, always, you know, being diehard for the Lions and saying, hey, I've we've been through the the mud with this team, with this franchise. Girls are obsessed with her daughters. So I just think, again, I think when it comes to male and female people, it's a very uh, polarizing topic. No, fair right? enough. I mean, it's that to me, it's not like a, you know. But I just still, like a, I don't. Hey, lady, be quiet thing. It's not like that. It's not like that. It's yeah. what she does. It's, I mean, I'm sorry. She scalped her tickets to the Lion Saints game like 10 years ago. Like she like was openly scalping them. Like give like and that's what we at, at our site we gave tickets to veterans. That was actually for it was like the Dallas season. It wasn't for that game, but it was the same. I'm pretty sure it was the Saints. They played the Saints that year. She was like on Instagram scalping her tickets. Like you know, best offer. It's like look, I'm not saying rich people can't sell their tickets, but like your husband at the time is making 32 million a year. Maybe sell them at cost or like you probably should donate them honestly. Like at that point, but just right. I just not a fan. We don't have to go down the Kelly Stafford rabbit, yeah. rabbit hole, but not a fan. I just I I the idea because she's gonna be there. The idea of her like skipping around is just horrifying. 
Well, she'll be skipping, Justin. She'll uh, be skipping. She'll give me, give me Brittany the... Mahomes and, and Taylor Swift. Bring them in over No, that. how yeah. about Kristen Harper? Kristen Harper oh. is our first lady now, and she is yeah. a queen class act. Again, just like Jared, we're we're lucky to have them. I just, I, I don't know. I still am just perplexed by this whole, like, Matthew Stafford thing. I, I really am. And it's all over social media. It's all over Twitter. Like he requested to leave. He requested to be out of here. Like, and everybody, everybody I'm, not won. Here, I'm not one of the people that are like, we're going to go into Ford field. We're going to boo the shit out of him. Like, I'm not saying that. Um, even though I think that could happen. Um, but yeah, no, this is not, this is not his game. This is not his turf. This is not his home. Everyone just let nine be nine on the Rams for that day. We have our nine. It's funny. Waymo, JMO, baby, your favorite. Like Goff, <laughs> Goff has that, you know, he's got the kind of California cool reputation. You know, he played at Cal. He's from out west. Like I, it makes sense. And he's, he's got the look, he even kind of looks like a Ken doll. So like, I, I agree. That's sort of, I think it's also kind of poetic. You for the story of between Matthew and Jared, you could not, they could be the two most, High character, laid back quarter, like non ruffle, no like one and two in some order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they are like so similar. Um, yeah, they just—they're not about the noise. They're—they're they're very just. Yeah, I, I mean, Stafford doesn't even have a social media account. Goff has one, but has tweeted like three times in two <laughs> years. You know, they're basically like he's effectively not on there. You know, yeah. for all intents and purposes. Yeah, yeah. I to me, Goff. Not in in style or necessarily even personality, but in career situation and circumstance and how he ended up here, to me is the ultimate Detroit athlete. He was not wanted somewhere else. He was cast aside. The Detroit Pistons won a championship with a bunch of outcasts. Yep. You know, the the Detroit Pistons had a bunch of guys like, you know, Rodman became even more polarizing, but was polarizing. Isaiah Thomas, you know, hated by his team USA teammates to the point that he didn't end up on the dream team. You know, they had a lot of FU to him. We talked about Chauncey Billups giving up on Michael Jordan said Rip Hamilton could never start. They were together with the Wizards. He'll never start on a real team, a playoff team. He's not you know, like there's a little bit of we really like the cast aside guys that, you know, people told no. Kenny Rogers had the best playoff performance still in baseball history before maybe Bumgarner like, tied him. He was terrible in the postseason. Everyone said he was a choke artist, you know, ended up leading the Tigers. He was the most important person in that run. Right. That's like Goff. To me, Goff is Detroit in that way. He's that kind of doubted, you know, cast off, sent out the door. To me, that's another layer to this where, man, like it feels like a Detroit win to not just, you know, win with Goff, but beat the team that threw him out. That is very Detroit. Yeah. And it's part of the script and it's going to happen. Fingers <laughs> crossed. We haven't even mentioned one of the most, and we'll kind of finish here. I said, like, day of the draft, and I said, in the weeks following, all the tweets are out there. I did a show on it. I, I think we talked about it the first time. The, the Sam Laporta thing. I, I, I said I was the biggest fan of his. I'm buying up all the Laporta stock. Like, that's my guy. I, you know, I saw him play some at Iowa, but come on. Any offensive personnel. Was not utilized unless, correctly Unless it's the Iowa. offensive line. Like no one's yeah. like, I'm sorry. No one's like, oh yeah, I saw this receiver on Iowa. He looked really good. I mean, you know, in tight ends, I think. So I, I was familiar with this game and like, he looked pretty good. But to me, it was like, who knows how good this guy is? And I, I said that I said like with Brian Ferentz, who knows? 
But when you start reading respected scouts' opinions on how good this guy was, I said, this guy's going to be the best tight end in that draft. I, even I undershot him. Best tight end in the draft. He has an argument for he's already the best tight end in the league. He's mm -hmm. top three. Ben, put the perspective of this rookie season against the, what I would argue the five best tight ends of all time. Look at what Sam Laporta did this season. You compare him to Kittle, Kelsey, Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez, and Rob oh Gronkowski. God. Even in, you know, if someone says, wait a minute, what about Shannon Sharp? Fine. Shannon Sharp had like seven catches his rookie year. So he would actually look worse. So it doesn't matter what tight end. All the best tight ends. I picked, in my opinion, the five best ever. Uh, really not even close. I mean, Kelsey's the only one that's kind of in range and it's still 20 catches shy and half the amount of touchdowns. This guy just had the best tight end rookie season ever. I, th this guy is unbelievable. Yeah. And already, in my opinion, a top three tight end in the league. But does he play? Does he not play? Ben, show the Bob Wojanowski quote for us. This was going around Twitter and the reporters were hitting this. So Sam Laporta seems to be trending in a positive direction to play Sunday against the Rams. The Lions rookie tight end tested his knee in practice today. He said day by day, but yeah, I'm optimistic. Would be huge for Lions. Mm -hmm. Valenti went on the air today and uh, today or yesterday and said, look, I was picking the Lions. No Laporta, I'm not picking the Lions. He, he kind of he flipped. I don't know if I would go that far, but to me, that's a huge variable. Don't you think that, I mean, that's a pretty considerable influence on what you would feel going into this game, right? 100%. I have talked to several people about it this week. Um, you know, people being like, hey, it's not that big of a loss. You know, Amon Raz's guy. And I really, really, really disagree with that. Um, you have, as quarterback, you have your, your trust guys, you have your utility guys, you have your, you know, your luxury guys, you have your security blankets. I mean, yeah, ARSB is that for Jared, but I think Laporta too. I would argue, I really mean this. You're going to say it. I'm ready for it. Make the argument. No, that Laporta right now is Goff's guy over Amonra. I knew you were going to say it. I, um, and and I, I, it, it's very, very even keel, but they're obviously different types of receivers. Um, but there is a level of trust that those two have together. That And he has it with, Amonra too, but um, people are like, well, you know, look at the how many receptions and yards per game that those two get. But it's like, okay, fine, you can argue that, but how much better and high, how much more high powered is the Lions' offense when you have both of those guys in tandem? We really have never seen them not together outside of I think there was a week that Amonra was out with the stomach or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Um. And that's before, like, you kind of knew what Sam was going to turn into. Um, but if people don't think that the offense is going to change with Sam out, you're absolutely wrong. Huge loss. I mean, I, to Huge. me, like, the, in terms of sheer numbers, that's what I was looking up. I wanted to make sure I got it right. You know, Amon Ra did end up with 119 receptions and what was reported at, like, 86. You know, if you're looking, 89, I thought. 89, yeah, okay, 89. Either way, so, I mean, <laughs> three more. Amon Ra has more. 86, I was right. Oh, okay. Justin was right. Okay. okay, but it's it's a negligible. That doesn't matter. But I'm saying, like, you know, to me, to me, if you had to say one, Amon Ra is the guy. But who really cares? The point is, it's kind of like a one A and one B. Yes, exactly. And they're both like it's it's interesting because good teams typically like 
Michigan State fans will remember, you know, Blair White, like in uh, 2009 was the guy for Michigan State. Three years, like Mark Chamorro was the guy for Brett Favre, like, the, you know, Gronk for Brady uh, and, you know, Welker for a long time, too. Like there's the good teams kind of have that. OK, third and nine. I'm not throwing a bomb, but like I just got like someone's got to go over the middle. He's your check down guy. I got to stick one yeah, yeah. in a tight window and like you don't care about getting hit. And this guy's got sticky fingers. He's just going to catch it. The Lions kind of have two of those guys. How many times in huge spots have they thrown to one or or the other? It's yeah. it's they kind of have two, which is I mean a lot of teams and don't even have one. It like d- it does suck because I was like I don't even care. Pump his knee with cortisone and throw him out there as like a decoy because if the second he's out, you know. And I mean this with all due respect because I love our receivers and I love our offense so much. But from like a receiving standpoint, you know the side. If Sam is out, Amonra's just going to be double, tripled. You the- love the receivers? I love Laporta and Amonra. Oh, I love Josh Reynolds. I ride or die for him. I, mean, for I think what he's he such is, a clutch sure. guy. He's he's for what he is. And I'm I'm a obviously you know I'm a JMO advocate. I'm not yeah. putting him in the. But he's a he's a great piece to have in our receiving core. Um, yeah, it makes a nice play every three weeks, and then I hear about it on Twitter. Okay. The the, the dunk- and then you can even argue. Yeah, he's not having he's Gibbs and Monty. They both can catch balls, screen passes, whatever. Yeah, um, I like the running back room for sure. I, the receiver room I don't trust without Laporta. But I just that's what I'm saying. I don't care if Sam's out there and he's like half-assing routes. Just put him out there so Amonra is not completely screwed. Oh, he catches everything too. Like those two, yeah. Amonra. I mean, what was the game? Was it Chicago? Like, or maybe earlier in the year, he caught like a, a touchdown pass like at his shin. Like he just it's like, how did he even catch <laughs> yeah. that? I mean, those they're both like that. They catch this. I mean, Laporta. People forget because you know we lost that Seattle game. That was another Dan Campbell special. Sorry, but it was. But he had like three catches on third and seven, third and nine that were just heavily contested. Kind of like Connor Hayward in that magical 21 year where just multiple times in a big spot where, I mean, you're just getting crushed and the ball's at your shins. And he's somehow just, he's like, he's so reliable. And so is Amon Ra. So reliable. To me, it's a huge, huge loss. I'm not saying, oh, no shot or anything like that. But you're, I mean, you can like Josh Reynolds and Jamison. Uh, Josh Reynolds for what he and is. And it also sucks because I don't, I don't know if Leaf will play on, uh, is that what's his? Is he like questionable officially on this? Yeah, well, sheet? he didn't practice today. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so worried about that. I'm like 99% that. sure he did not practice. I'm not, today. yeah, I'm less worried. I mean, to me, it's that's kind of common if you're banging. Like, if a guy's kind of on the fence, like, why would he practice? I would sit him out too. Like, I wouldn't put, it's hard if you have zero practice. And I don't know this from experience. I know this from just what players have said over the years. Like, guy, like, if you have no, like, you haven't practiced all week to just go out there, it's actually like harder than people might even think. You got to see Laporte out there like a little bit before Sunday to feel good about his chances. But I'm with you. It's like even Tyreek Hill, when the Dolphins had that historic meltdown, giving up 14 uh, or 15 points in the last two minutes, Tyreek Hill was in the game, moved right down the field. They scored. He was great. He got hurt early. He went out. They didn't do anything. They, they literally didn't even have a field goal drive for like two and a half quarters. He like gutted it out, went on the field, immediately scored another touchdown. Because they were all, he's just a decoy. He ended up having a big catch too on the drive. But they're all like focused on him. They moved the ball right down the field. But he was too hurt. He came back off. And then they couldn't score again. It was just him being out there. They were were petrified of him. And it's a different challenge with Laporta. Like obviously Tyree Kill is maybe the greatest receiver ever in terms of open field. Like you're terrified. But just being there, like you're right. Laporta, he's not the cheetah. He doesn't have to be running 100 miles an hour. Just go over the middle and kind of fall down and do your little third and seven shit that he can do. 
I, he's so key. I'm going to feel infinitely better if he's out there. If he's if he's not now, I'm bet my prediction is based on that. I think he's going to play. I think if it like again goes back to the Kelsey interview or Kelsey injury back in um, September, right before they played the Lions. See, basically identical injury. They were going to throw him out there, and that injury happened two days before kickoff. Yeah. Um. I say Laporta plays. Why? Because of the circumstances. Um, I don't know how much, like, like from a target standpoint, receiving standpoint, like what they're going to do or what they dial up for him. But I think the circumstances, if this was week 12, absolutely not. He's not playing this game. Um, The position helps. Like we saw Gronkowski like the bionic man the last five, six years of his career. Like he was, he was questionable every week for like five years, but in the playoffs, he just like, just you just patch him up and get it. your ass. And he was effective. Or they're just running a, a dual set of, uh, James Mitchell and Brock, Wright. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it gets pretty thin, uh, down the line. I, yeah. I, but it's, I, I, to me, he is a huge, huge, huge factor. Uh, more like it's very rare for a position player to matter this much. Like in, it's just, even with Vegas, they'll adjust the line for quarterbacks like a whole touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they said, even like in their in their prime position players, like the best ones ever, any given year, there's four or five guys that'll like move the line in Vegas. Um, you know, and like Donald is a good enough defensive player. He might move at a point. Randy Moss in his prime. Like even a Monra may not even move the line. More you than think half that's a point. why the line's only three? Because people are pissed about that. Like, did you hear Mike Florio came out today and was like pissed about the spread? Yeah, like what about the it? Lions are hosting a playoff game. The Rams are a six seed. Like, yeah, the Rams are hot right now, but people are just saying like, hey, that's kind of shitty that the line is only three. The Lions are at home, and like, I mean, that's uh, uh, it's the, the what the market's like, bearing. If, I if guess. we knew it's that a, Laporta was a totally one hundred percent go healthy, didn't have the injury, would the line have would the line be different? I don't think so. I don't think the average fan that's really driving that is even aware of the Laporta situation. I think that's a function of people can't get out of their head. Okay, the quarterback thing, like, hey, this this team's quarterback just got dumped for this team's quarterback with multiple draft picks. This guy's kind of like a weird coach that's, you know, in the news for something I silly think- every three weeks. This guy just won a Super Bowl. The Rams are a more historically successful franchise. Yeah. I think a lot of it's just kind of pre-established bias. I don't sure. think Laporta thing's factoring in. I, I think, think it probably should, but I don't think it is. It just couldn't be more Cinderella story, what's happening on um, Sunday, because take uh, Goff and Stafford out of it, but Stafford to be going against all the draft picks that that uh, replenished our team. Yes. It's so weird. Tell me right now. Be honest. Try, try to be objective now. We'll kind of finish here, I guess. Do you, do you redo, do you go my way if you could, the Jameer Gibbs for Christian Gonzalez path? Knowing Christian Gonzalez was one of the best cornerbacks in all of football, not among rookies. He was like top five PFF. He didn't play long enough for us to know. That's the, beginner's rookie the, luck. I was going to throw in the caveat. It was like a four-game sample size. Yeah, well, but he looked, like, oh! But he looked really, really good to the point of Tyree Kill coming out publicly, the aforementioned Tyree Kill, and saying, 
ooh, damn, that boy's really Just good. like people, Jameer Gibbs, oh, this guy sucks. No. No, no, no I never they, said No, but I'm sucks. saying at the beginning but, of the season, they didn't get it. They didn't even get him involved. No, yet. even I defended him for that. I, I, yeah, I never thought he sucked. I, to me, I, I've said it's on tape, multiple shows and tweets and stuff. I always thought Gibbs was going to be a good player. That wasn't the concern. But I, I, I would love to have an elite cornerback right now. And, you know, and he got hurt, but, you know, he got hurt on a play in New England and kind of a fluky, but like, it doesn't mean he would have gotten hurt here, obviously. I, I would rather have like the shutdown high end corner. He's a big guy too for, by, for that position versus Jameer Gibbs. And I like Gibbs, but so you, you're, you're expressing this concern with the secondary. It'd be a little bit less if you had a shutdown corner. I'm just saying, so you're, you're, I would, I would make the trade right now. I would need Gonzalez to be healthy, obviously. But if he were healthy, had he not gone down, I'd make the trade right now. I, I, I'm standing by my opinion. You would, you would stick with the running back. I'm sticking with Ja. Okay. All yeah, right. I am. But obviously, that's because we, we've, you know, he's on our team now. We see his production. People have fallen in love with him. So, yeah, there's the lust factor of it. I'm sure it, tables could be flipped, you know, if it was Christian Gonzalez instead of. If Gonzalez was locking up receivers for the Lions all year, you'd. you'd 100%. I, he's. I'm a big fan of his. 100%. I love his game. I, I just, I, I think to me, like I have two good running backs and, and zero good corners. Like, no, no, thanks. I, I just, I, I, I hate components of our defense. I don't trust them. The, the Chargers game was an atrocity. They scored, what, was it five or six straight touchdowns? It was seven plays, 75 yards, five well, plays, 75 yards. It just couldn't yeah. stop them. And then it was like the first two drives of the next game. There was a period where it was yeah. like, we had given up like eight straight touchdown drives. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I don't, I don't trust them, but I trust our offense and gives us part of that. Isn't that so funny? Like you just have no fear about our offense. None. I trust that we're going to move the ball. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of wild. Give me a score. We'll wrap there. Uh, it's a little cliche, but what's, I want to finish there. What's, what's the score on Sunday night? <laughs> I wish you would have asked me pre-show. Give me a little time. Oh, come on. You've been um, thinking about this all week. You're ready for this. You can even amend it before Sunday, but like, where, where are you at sitting here right now? 33-28 Lions. Okay, so they're going to cover that little baby three points. Yeah, screw Brad. your three points, Vegas. Where are we going if, after the win? We got to figure that out because you just said everything shuts down. We got to find a spot. Yeah. Chris Castellani is going to be down there. So, you know, we got to. I mean, the whole, I think, if y'all don't have tickets, still need to be down there. It's going to be nuts. You want to hear some real nasty shit? So we've had season tickets forever and I've gone forever. My brother has openly made fun of Lions fans for years. Declared himself Lions free. Fuck, like you guys. He would mock my dad and I for even like going to these games. He took the tickets for the playoff game. Like before I even like got to him. <sighs> he, he, he's taking the family. Is, is that not like the worst thing ever? This guy, he didn't, he hasn't cared about the Lions his whole life. I, he's 12 years older. So by he was lions free by the time like I even knew what was going on like around me. Yeah, Tim Spiro should have put the stop to Tim that. Spiro blew that one. I was yeah. I was like, what's the plan for the game? Like, are we going down there? Like, you know, am I, do I have one? Do I have two? Like, I just I've, I've been going forever. No one else even wanted them. And now that they're finally in this playoff game, I was told I was shut out. So I, I have other avenues. We're working on it. I actually have an invite to a person's suite. I'm looking at maybe I'd rather be in the seats though. So I'm trying to find a way to you yeah. know, get down there for, and not spend like three grand. But yeah, it's that I got hoed on that one. Yeah, you got hoed. Little, he made hey, fun little of me. brother. He I'm made fun saying. of me. This guy made fun of me for years for even caring about the team. Yeah. And this this snake in the grass takes the Lions tickets from me. I couldn't believe it. Just, Wait, you didn't? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. but you didn't give your score. 
Well, because I don't want to look bad if I'm wrong. Um, so I'll, I'll cut it if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, and I'll keep it in if I'm right. Okay, well, here's the thing. I, this prediction is Laporta's playing, okay? I reserve the right to amend this because I do think this is the rare circumstance where like a position player, especially a tight end, it's really rare, really, really matters. In the same way, I, I felt a lot less good about picking the Patriots anytime Gronk was out. Assuming Laporta's there, and at even 60%, I'm going Lions 31, Rams 27. So very close to yours. Barely covering, but covering kind of low 30s to high 20s. Okay. If he's not in, I, I'm almost inclined to pick the Rams, but I think he is playing. Because he's going to be worth a touchdown. Like even if he's not the one that scores it, he's going to extend the drive that ultimately is a touchdown that wouldn't have been otherwise. Like sure. He's worth seven in that game which I almost never would say about a position player. To me, like there's seven points better in that game with Laporta than without him. I think he's that important. So I, I think it's fair to throw in that kind of caveat. I will be amending that if he's out, but I, I think he's playing. But you know, you always have that fear. You get the one report like tweak the knee or aggravated. Like that does happen where things are progressing. And then there's this, I mean, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. Yeah, but not. We're, we're Lions fans. So like, how are we not supposed to be petrified about everything? No, I agree with that. Although you did say, I will give you credit, top of the show. I mean, we framed it that way. I said, you know, Natalie, I'm a little nervous. All this hype and, oh, they're a lock for the division. You're like, ah, they're fine. I mean, that was a win for you. You win that round, right? Yeah. I hope you're right this time. I will be right. The Lions. Lions will win this game. And I think we're going to Jerry World. Let's let's go. Let's actually get on a post. Let's actually go. Like, let's literally, you and I, I'm, I'm in. Ben, you want to go to Jerry World? With with Natalie and I, Ben Ben's down. I don't. I can't hear him, but I guarantee he's he's back there nodding. What a great! That'd be so fun to go there and just stick it up their ass. Like, oh my god, this this they not, have a chance. Not a CD. The the yeah. NFL script thing. Man. They do have a chance to like have a real special run. Not hey, just with the results, script, but maybe it's the script with who they beat. With who they beat. Ah oh, man, I want it so bad. Natalie Sparbeck, I appreciate you. Great job by you. Uh, we'll see about the Gibbs-Gonzalez thing. That's a long-term play, but you won the first round of the Lions debate. So far, you're kicking my ass. I, I, I panicked after the Seattle game. You and Adam, I was in here. I'm like, they're going yeah, guys- 6 and 11 or something. <laughs> I had a total meltdown. <laughs> you did. Uh, I did, even at the time, say, look, I'm not a right frame of mind because I was so mad. But I, I was bailing early, and then you smoked me on the first one. Um, I think for the most part, we agree with where Just things are now. All we need, Jared, baby. Jared. That's Jared, a, career game, career game of his life. Yes, I'm ready for it. I think he'll be fine. Yeah. I, he's, he's honestly not what I'm worried about. I think, I think he'll be good regardless. I think if they lose, it's going to be in a different, a different way. So yeah, I don't want to even put that in the universe, but here we are. You and I will, will book our Dallas itinerary in a few days, hopefully. There you go. Natalie Sparbrake, go appreciate Lions. you. Go Lions. Ben, great job by you. Eric, great job at home. Love you guys. Screw Avenue. I'm going to check the Michigan State basketball score. I hope it's going. See you guys. Bye.